Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 399, covering Through the Valley of Shadows, with Caitlin Purdy. Hi friends, we're, we're closing in on the end of, of, well, I say on the end of Disco Season 2. What is this, like, there's still two more after this. Yeah, we got two more to go. Feels like it should be the end, but we're still, we still got some to go. Mm. And, uh, but Caitlin's here, so that's good. Hey! Uh, you used to always show up for Borg episodes. This is almost a Borg episode. I know I was thinking about that as I was watching. I was like, oh, great. I'm here for the introduction of the Borg. Yeah, it's probably Perfect. a Borg episode retroactively. I don't know. We we were talking about what the odds are. I only think it's about 50-50. You guys think it's much more yep. likely than that. Well, I'm I mean, convinced. I am 100% convinced that this is the origin of the Borg. This is how disco works, man. They just like everything's about something we've already seen before, you know? Yeah, and I don't Pike, really understand the mirror why. universe. The you know it's and the Borg still don't have an origin. I can totally see the writers of this go latching onto that and going, yeah, no, we'll make this about the Borg. Yeah, but yeah. this is an Enterprise. Enterprise was the show that had to give you the secret origin of everything. This show doesn't have to do that. No, it doesn't give the secret origin to everything, but it does bring everything back. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, the, the visual. This show really plays on and... nostalgia. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It's it's too early to say they've definitely done that yet, but there's like there's definitely a strong you know possibility mm-hmm. that they're gonna. I feel like is... we're gonna hear resistance is futile before the end of. That's gonna be <laughs> I, I, you know what? That's gonna be the big. That's gonna be the uh, the big uh, cliffhanger at the end of next episode. Uh-huh. Quite possibly. Yeah, that, I'm I'm calling it right now. This this one had maybe no, not maybe. It had the stupidest thing this show has ever done. And I somehow didn't completely hate it. Mm-hmm. This one was but, okay. Uh, yeah, it was. It it had its ups and downs. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Before for sure. before we really get into it, Caitlin, why don't you tell us what happened in Through the Valley of Shadows? Through the Valley of Shadows. Ugh. Yeah, I have a hard time with names that bring up biblical references, but mm-hmm. whatever. So in the val through the Valley of Shadows, we kick off with Michael and her two digital moms having an emotional deep talk as Amanda tells Michael to stop being a negative Nancy. Spock rolls in for a family moment before sweeping Michael off to the bridge for more shiny red lights in the sky. Conveniently, the plot takes us to Borith, the planet where Lieutenant Bag Salad's wee baby child is hidden. We see Laurel again, who has hair, uh, talking about fucking time crystals, because apparently we used up all our fun space science terminology and all that's left is time crystals. <laughs> uh, apparently they're protected by Klingon monks, and I'm super curious what a Klingon monk's day-to-day looks like. Like, do they pray? Do they fight? Do they abstain from blood wine? We don't find out. Sorry, guys. Pike goes downstairs to say hi to the monks and ends up in a staring contest with an elf Klingon. Guess what, guys? It's baby bag salad. <laughs> Time works different here, because time crystals, duh. Son of none of a bag salad tells Pike that he has to pay a price. And all that shit for time crystals, and Pike is like, sign me up, motherfucker. So they go and touch rocks together, and Pike sees a gross grisly future for himself, and then accepts his fate, because he's the literal definition of honor, and he gets to take his little rock home. (laughs) Back on Disco, Jet Reno Reno finally uh, shows up again, and she pep talks Stamets about the shiny rocks they need to get ready for study. Stamets sees Dr. Boyfriend and gets all sad and mopey, and Jet has a look in her eye like she's meaning to settle some shit. 
She goes straight to Dr. Boyfriend for emergency medical care for her hangnail and has what I might describe as the best conversation I've heard two characters have in two seasons of this show. They talk about the eccentricities of their gay spouses and their own weddings, and I want to fucking cry, but I didn't because I was busy writing the summary, and I might cry later. <coughs> Not on Disco are the two best brother-sister duo, Spock and Michael, as they go off together to try to learn something about this weird Section 31 ship that did a bleep bloop on the radar. They fly into a field of bodies and find one living old pal friend and go with him to the ship where they hope to solve a mystery. But instead, they learn that their old pal friend is actually a control guy and he wants to kill Michael and make her a Borg. I mean, a minion of control and with nanoprobes, but control ones, not Borg ones. Yeah. Uh, Spock saves her naturally and they go back to Disco just in time to get surrounded by 30, not 31, section 31 ships. Michael suggests that the only reasonable course of action is to destroy the ship. Pike agrees, and they all look intensely at each other and then turn to the camera and in Borg unison say, Tune in for the season finale. Well, it was supposed to be the season finale, and then they asked for another episode. So. Well, now it'll be like a two-part season finale. Yeah. <sighs> Which... And now the continuation. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's going to be one of those ones where it's like, you might as well just smash it all together and give us a two-hour episode. Yeah. Yep. Set us bringing us along. Mm-hmm. There's so much. We say this every week, but really, so much happens on this show. Uh huh. It's a very busy show. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I felt Full like busy as I was, people. As mm-hmm. I was trying to summarize, I felt like I had to group things in order of not how they happened, yeah. but like by by plot point because there yep. was so much going on. It's like no, okay, it's very so Pike's over summarize. here, and Michael's down here, and Jet's over here doing this. Wait, what? Hang Nobody's on. in yeah. the same room. This show was yeah. so busy, it didn't have time to put Tilly in it. I know. There, Saru had like two lines. I think mm-hmm. Linus had more lines than Saru did this week. Yep. And yeah, you're right. No Tilly. Like, uh, what the hell is going on with the show? Mm-hmm. That said, we did get a um, a scene that we have been dying to see, which is just all the crew guys who barely even have names, like hanging out at lunch and being nerds. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Like they have this weird like like game that they play. Yeah, they were playing some dumb nerd word game, which was yeah. awesome. And it's just, it's adorable. God, I yeah, love these guys. It's Linus and Detmer and Owu and um, uh, Jet's there. Uh-huh. And it was cool to see the new chick who took over for Arium is fitting in. She's yes. not like off at a table by herself. She's part of the group. Yeah. That was all very good. And we've been saying from day one, more of this, please. And they did it. So, yeah. yay. That was good. That Thanks, being said, guys. more of this, please. Yeah, exactly. Um. And uh, Jet Reno is back. Yes. Who I think we can all agree the best supporting character of the season. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Unquestionably. I love her so much. And every time she shows up, it's just, yay, she's back. So she's been here the whole time. So now I'm just mad that like, wait a minute. So we could have been watching her for the last eight weeks. Mm. And they just shuffled her off to some part of the ship that we weren't focused on. Like, come on. She's got other shit to do. She can't just be, she can't be hanging around all the time helping out you idiots. That's true. <laughs> um, um, my good thing is she is now, she says it out loud, she had a wife. Mm-hmm. She is com- the first canonical lesbian in all of Star Trek. Yep. Yay! I cheered so loudly when she mentioned her wife that I missed whatever she said next. Because and whatever was, she said so, next is my bad thing. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> need to talk about that. That did not occur to me originally, but this is a very good point. Yeah, Probably because you missed it. You were busy. Yep. yep. Um, well, go ahead. So, uh, said wife is also dead. Yeah. Because Trek continues to not get it. Yeah. Like, come on, really? 
you the second relationship in all of Star Trek. Yeah, a, mar- so the two, a, a married couple, couple and the you only killed two, one of them. The only two uh, uh, gay couples in all of Star Trek are both, like, dealing with one of them having died. Like, are you kidding me? And, it's yeah. so unnecessary. And, like, yeah. guys, the the scene is good. Them bonding over it is good. And, yeah. you know, if it weren't 50 years of no gay people at all, like... We could maybe have two separate gay couples that, like, one of their partners was dead. Yeah. And they could discuss that. But you can't do that now. No, and I get that the war just happened, and narratively it makes sense that people have been affected by it and they've lost people, but this is not the place to do that. That's the thing. You, like, yes, there was a war that happened, but it's a fictional war. The writers decide who died. You could just not have that person be dead. (laughs) No, but I I understand you want to show some characters affected by it. It just shouldn't have been her. Yeah. Like, I, and also, I, I, I kind of understand making her kind of tragic. Like, the reason she's kind of, like, she has kind of a gruff exterior is because she's been through some shit. And mm-hmm. she maybe doesn't want to connect with people as much as she used to. Because sure. she's, but you could just say, uh, she left me. Like, yeah. she's still alive, but I'm bitter because she left me. Like, okay, that's something. I mean, honestly, the, the fucking, the, the having a long distance relationship would be fine. Having her yeah, that would also on another work. ship as someone who had a long distance relationship for fucking three years. It sucks. And you get real oh. pissy with people. Oh, is it bad when you do it for three years? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, sweetie. I know. But my pain is more recent. So, oh, well, then that makes it more real for sure. Yes. <laughs> no, it is. It is absolutely rough. I think I think we've all been through that. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, you're right. Also, like. This is one of those things you kind of have to say in fiction world. It was great that she got in and fixed it. And Caitlin, I'm with you 100% that like from from one gay person to another. Look, we got to deal with these people sometimes like you're you're like me, not just on that level, but also we're similar personalities. These these fussy control freaks are hard to live with. Right. But we love them. And that was great. But on the other hand, boy, she's meddling like. She just takes it upon herself to just, like, if this happened in real life, it would bug the hell out of me. See, that just seems like another part of her character to me. It's like she fixes things. This no, is br- again, it's it's TV world. It's, yeah. It's, we're playing by different rules, and it's okay, and I just had to tell myself that. There's certain mm. things that happen on TV that don't have, like, anytime Linda Belcher does anything, it makes me so mad. <laughs> On Bob's Burgers, because she's always, she never listens to anyone, and she always just imposes her own shit on people, and it's like, stop it, I hate you! <laughs> oh, oh, this is about me. That's, that's not, like, <laughs> yeah. This is a dumb sitcom, and she's just making the plot happen. <laughs> and that's that's what's happening here, is like, okay, you, you have to put on your TV glasses mm. and just accept this for what it is. I feel like it's a little bit easier for me to get over um, because I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I am a mind your own business person, but Mm -hmm. um, I do think she expresses it well. Like when she, um, and this is, this is even my quote. I need medical attention. Commander, you have a uh, hangnail. It hurts like a bitch. And it's one of two things currently impeding my work. And, uh, what is the second thing? An idiot. Um, because she seems very direct. She's like, I have a job to get done and your romantic drama is getting in the way, which sounds kind of harsh. But then she goes on to to be like really connect with him about it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that is what makes it like, OK, for me in TV world is just like, oh, OK, because she needs 
to work, but like maybe without that excuse, I'd probably have the same problem with it. Well, and and also Matt, you had an interesting take on why she did this. Well, she's coming around on Stamets, like. Yeah. Well, that, but you you said because she's an engineer, because everything we know about her from before. Oh yeah. <clears throat> no, again, she fixes stuff like she ducks takes it duct tapes things together. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it like that. And like, in this case, she's like something on the ship isn't working, so she's gonna duct tape it together. In this yeah, case, that was it's a, two dudes. That's a that's a very good way to look at it that I hadn't that hadn't occurred to me was yeah. like oh yeah of course it's this is just this is just like putting that guy's brain in a jar. She's just fixing a thing. Yeah. So that, yeah, that she can good. see is broken. Yeah. Yeah. It's not no. like it's not it's not about being delicate or whatever. It's slap these two together and they'll fu- they'll figure it out. Yep. <laughs> I agree. It's the it's she's like one step away from just locking them in a closet together. <laughs> yeah. Figure and it don't out. out. And don't come out until you kiss. I'll be well, no, you said hour. it was like it was like mashing two dolls together. It's yeah, absolutely like that. Uh, OK, I guess we need to talk about this. My, my bad thing mm-hmm. and all the Klingon stuff and all the. Ugh. Okay, so we go to to Boreth, which is a monastery that Worf has spent time at, by the way, and and up to this point, we've only known it as a place where Klingons go for quiet it's meditation just, to figure their shit a, out. It was just a monastery, you know, yeah. like the it's, Klingons having monks made a ton of sense to me back then. Yeah, but okay, the the uh, uh, Lieutenant Agent Bagpenny and Laurel, uh, they had a magic time baby, apparently, mm-hmm. like. So he's he's that uh, albino Klingon that they sent off to the monastery, and now he's grown. What would you say, thirty, forty years old? Yeah, he's like thirty or forty at, yeah. at least. Yeah. Like he had an old wise man quality to me that made him maybe even older, but mm-hmm. I I can't tell. But it's been you know, and and it's time passes differently here. Ugh, whatever. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of a funny reference to Alexander because like, you know, Worf and K- and Kalar had Alexander, and then immediately he was like able to talk and well, he was serving in the military when he was eight so yeah exactly <laughs> and i get that it's kind of a funny meta thing like oh mm-hmm. see klingons grow up fast don't they but it was just like every part of it was just really dumb too timey-wimey man uh-huh and so these time crystals which by the way time crystals is the new exocomp they exocomp. said time crystals eighty thousand times but so they grow on trees, mm-hmm. you know, like crystals do. Mm-hmm. They don't form in a cave. They grow on a tree. No, it ju- the entire scene just feels like Pike decided to visit another TV show. And and then on top of that, and I might be interpreting this wrong, but we did listen for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, namesake of Kronos. What I think they're doing there is sort of uh, retconning the idea that the, the, the planet, the home world of the Klingons, Kronos, sounds like our... Is it Greek or Latin? I don't remember, but prefix for time. I want to say Latin, but I could be wrong. Chrono. Yeah. And like, so the reason Chronos is called Chronos is because the time crystals exist. What? Uh-huh. Yeah. Ugh. That is. Go, go all the way to hell. That is the dumbest fucking thing I have ever heard on Star Trek. And, and I, I once did a list of all the dumb things that ever happened on Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. No, it's super, super stupid. I don't know. I don't. I think Time Baby is even stupider. Mm. But it's all is... pretty bad. Look, at least we yeah. have a precedent for Time Baby having like naming the planet that's been around since what Star Trek Six. Yeah. It's like yeah, no, it's called Kronos because of time. Get it? Time. What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? And again, that might that was just one line, and maybe I'm wrong, but I mm. don't think I am. I think because you guys thought that too. So. Yeah. I don't know. 
But yeah, while, yeah, I definitely we're... picked up on it. And Laurel tries to support it too with the statements she makes about the monastery being around since their culture was young. Mm-hmm. Right. And while we're talking about time crystals, uh, Caitlin, this is also your bad thing, yeah? It is my bad thing because time crystals are fucking stupid. It's the dumbest thing anyone's ever said out loud. Mm-hmm. It's like a placeholder that the writers would use when they wanted to come back and make up a space science name, but then they forgot to come back. And now we have all these amazing actors trying to look serious while saying time crystals. And it really yeah. takes me out of the scene every single time. Like, mm-hmm. I don't power my laptop with computer crystals. It's a battery that has a name. Like, Make up a space science name for it, you lazy assholes. Yeah, like well, fucking think, like tachyite or something. Well, Boom, I think done. because because Voyager in particular and Enterprise also really got bogged down in that Brandon Braga techno babble, like mm-hmm. the you know the low level tachyon field to disperse the verdron particle. Like, ugh. Like, I think they're overcorrecting, and they do that a lot on this show. They do well, a lot yeah, of but like they've like it's gone in the exact opposite direction. No, I like, agree. It's all the way over on the other side now. Yeah. I, yeah, it's but like this, dumb people pop, talk. Like, this, I don't know. This all started because of the Harry Mudd episode where he's, you know, jumping in time. And he says, oh, I got a time crystal. And, like, in a Harry Mudd episode, that's fine. It's a throwaway line from a goofy character. But mm-hmm. when they decided to go more into depth of what it is and where it comes from, like, duh. On the other hand, I could definitely see some Klingons standing around going, these are crystals. They control time. They are time crystals. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I still think there are intelligent Klingons. We just haven't hung out with them a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did invent, like, a bunch of shit. Yeah, warp drive and, and cloaking devices and phasers and I so mean, forth. we spent a lot of time with a, you know, with an intelligent Klingon this episode. It's just that he turned out to be an old baby. <laughs> so, basically, Worf. Uh-huh. And half-elf. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I definitely want more of in my Star Trek is, like, Lord of the Rings garbage. Oh, it's your favorite. Yeah. It's my absolute favorite. The whole monastery looked like some, like, freaking fantasy land bullshit, which don't get me wrong. Like, I play Dungeons and Dragons. I'll yeah. me some fantasy shit. But I'm here to watch Star Trek, not Lord of the Rings in space. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the first to say this, but they lean, like, they lean s- super heavy into making the Klingons, like, uh, Game of Thronesy. Yeah. Yeah. And there already is a show like Game of Thrones. It's called Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, go, go watch Go it. watch that. Yeah, exactly. Go watch like it. Rape. Don't make me watch it. <laughs> it was fine until all the rape, which there is a lot of. Uh-huh. But, Far you know, too much. Yeah, they added more from the book, which already had a lot. No you know what the, You know what this show needs more of? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, Star Trek's certainly not uh, innocent there either. You're not wrong. Yeah. But uh, the hell liked... all of culture. <laughs> yeah. What the hell the patriarchy? Yeah, come on. Fuck there, off. There were some good things on Boreth, though. The whole Pike thing. And Matt, this is your good thing, right? Oh, yeah. I So basically, the price that Pike has to pay is he ends up seeing his own accident. Yeah. And yeah, the one that happens uh, before the menagerie, where he's all scarred up and in the in the wheelchair, yeah. and he can only beep once for yes and twice for no. Which on the which first of all uh, means that uh, I was wrong. They won't be. Sh- this isn't how the season's going to end for him. So well done, Disco, on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we do show it though. So, but the well, whole scene it, is very. It gives him a vision of what's going to happen to him. Basically, yeah, and the whole scene is very good. Like, uh, like. It's first of all, he sees himself in this brutal accident, basically, mm-hmm. and he looks terrible. And they do a really good job of uh, the scars on his face match up with his like the weird splotching that he that they show with him having in uh, the menagerie. 
Yeah. So it like the whole scene is really well done. And then there's this great creepy scene where he's standing in like this dark hallway and he's in the foreground and you see something sort of roll in behind him and it's him in his like in his in his wheelchair. And he just sort of horridly turns around and sort of starts walking towards it. And he's just sitting there in this horrible chair, just like breathing super heavily. And his face is all fucked up. Yeah, the part that I liked the best was while this is happening, and it does play out fairly slowly. It's mm. there. There's this ambient noise of the iron lung inside the thing breathing for him. Yeah, and you don't know what the noise is, and then you see like, oh, oh, that's him. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the only the only thing wrong with the entire scene is that as he gets up to up to himself. His face starts melting, and it's su- first of all the effect is bad. Mm-hmm. Like it does, like it just doesn't look good, and it's such overkill. It's that thing Disco does. It's that w- you nailed it, and then they do one step too far, and it ruins it. I mean, that's discovery in a nutshell, right yeah. there. Like, okay, you had something good. No, nope, no, nope, just stop, stop. Yeah. You were there. God damn you, it, yeah, you had it. It was a, <laughs> it was a horrible, real like, and it 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 breaks him basically. Like we, we see him later yeah. on on the on the ship talking to uh, Bag Salad and Laurel, and he's just sort of like, oh, yeah, no. And I like the idea of him. Like, there, this happens. I mean, a lot. I, I don't know a lot of fantasy. You guys are way more familiar with this stuff than I am, but I know it's a staple of that sort of thing. Like, you hear the prophecy, you know you're going to die, mm-hmm. and it just sort of looms over you. I, they did some of that in Buffy also, yeah. mm-hmm. where it's like, this is, you, you can't avoid it. You can't change it. This is inevitable. How do you live with the rest of, like, you only have a year to go. How do you live with yourself mm-hmm. knowing that this is how you end? And I like that. I, I hope they continue with that with him. Yeah. It's a really interesting angle. Yeah. And He's definitely gonna... the actor like carries oh, that yeah. so well. That yeah, burden of, of mm. knowing your fate and accepting it. Like he just does an unbelievable job in that scene. Both of those yeah. scenes. Like just with his facial expressions and everything. And um the part two where he um he just comes out of the vision of his face burning off and he's like clutching his face. Yeah. Like he could still feel it almost. And like mm-hmm. the look of horror in his face is so powerful. Yep. No, it's it's very good and and it's an interesting. I'm surprised they let him go down and do this heroic thing because the way the show works, I felt like Michael was going to do her whole plot and then circle back and also do this. Hey guys, <laughs> sorry I'm late. I was off having an adventure with Spock, but I'm here for the adventure with Pike now. Yeah, exactly. It was it was cool that they actually let the captain go and mm. do this thing and the whole time everyone's telling him it happens in like five different scenes where like you are weak you will not survive this you look at you captain pike you suck like <clears throat> wow really i don't suck i kind of rule yeah he kind of does i we were talking about this this show has done so much for that character yeah it you absolutely has. like one of the best things about D- disco season two is that we've gotten like not only that we've gotten to know pike a character that we knew very little about uh, yeah, we know a little about a, a an alternate universe version of him, but the prime version we know almost nothing about. Yeah, exactly. And, like, everything we learn, like, he's such a great character. Like, there's, he's a unique captain, but, like, he's interesting. There's a bit where, like, right after he sees the vision where he's starting to freak out, and this is the point where they say, like, you're going to be driven mad, you're not going to be able to handle it. Mm. This is how he handles it. He tells himself, this would have been my quote if it had been my episode to pick. He says, you are a Starfleet captain. You believe in service, sacrifice, compassion, and love. Like, mm. I completely believe that that's what he believes, and I like it a lot. That, yeah. Like, that summed him up very nicely. Like, that's that's his sort of personal mantra to calm himself down. I just, yeah. Oh, it was very good. Very much enjoyed that. Yeah. 
I think that um, I really um, have like an emotional response to to like to seeing the um, like the steeliness of his resolve and mm-hmm. like his his incredible like moral compass. Because yeah, some people would be like, oh, I'm going to melt my face off helping someone. Maybe I shouldn't help someone. And he's like, well, if I help someone, that's like, that's worth okay. melting my face off. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I did the right thing. I agree yeah. with future me. I'm going to do that thing because that was the right thing to do. Yeah. It's like cleansing after um, experiencing yeah. Enterprise. Because like, yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to get over like the like moral loop-de-loops that Archer went through. But then when I see... Pike being so different and mm-hmm. representing Starfleet in a in a way that feels more authentic to me and yeah. more like yes these are the stories that I want to hear from from my captains and my leaders then yeah. and it just well, makes me feel better like it heals old wounds <laughs> that's why a, a whole show about Emperor Georgiou doesn't sit well with me because yeah. I think, like she's so great of course we keep saying that but I don't want to watch a, a cannibal dictator that... show come on, on man. The, run the secret police like yeah. yeah I'm not here for that story I'm here for Starfleet stories yeah, yeah like exactly. she is a great villain mm-hmm. she the villain is not the character that you see every week at least not that villain you know like she's not my protagonist she, yeah I don't even think work. she's a great villain but that's that's another discussion for another time that's fair but yeah it's just you're right. Like, it's nice to see, like, a noble, like, and, you know, Michael, our main character on this show, is great, but, and she tries to do the right thing, but she's so fucked up, and that's why I like her. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she's so fucked up. But it's nice to just see sort of, like, that classic, like, a classic hero, that, mm-hmm. that sort mm-hmm. of square-jawed, chiseled, like, no, I will do the right thing yeah. because I am a good guy. And it's not cheesy or stupid. It's like, no. I, I, I think he probably would do the right thing because yeah. he's a good guy. This is what you do. It's it's harder to pull that off than it was in the 60s because, you know, like, it seems like such a corny idea now. Yeah. Just being a hero, being the guy who does the right thing. Like, but nobody's interested in that on TV anymore. So making I, that interesting is harder. I, I think that's an important character to still have in Star Trek. Though. Oh, it absolutely mm-hmm. is. I just, I, I'm giving the writers extra credit for, like, making him... Not just putting him on the show, but making us very invested in him. Yeah. Because it's hard and, to do in today's, like, in, in the TV landscape now. Yeah. And they've made him a pull to that on numerous occasions and, like, yep. numerous situations. And so we just get to keep seeing that build and it's just refreshing. And yeah. um, I feel like it is, when like, when I'm looking at, at Star Trek and being like, you know, is this my Star Trek? Because I feel like with Discovery, sometimes I do, like overanalyze that a little bit mm-hmm. because sometimes it feels like it's not really my star trek well they um, still have a real problem with what the tone of the show is they still don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. like it it varies so wildly there but that like, piece of it seems like just like shooting a straight arrow you know like it's mm-hmm. yeah something i can rely on and cling to <laughs> yep but it's interesting because saru now is like kind of like the bad cop in this relationship because mm-hmm. At one point, it's very clear Michael's going to run off and chase down the Section 31 ship no matter what anyone tells her. Yeah. And she asks Saru for permission, assuming he's going to say no and then just do it anyway. And then he's like, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael has this great reaction like, wait, what? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pike's away. I'm in charge. Uh, I understand. Do it. Don't be emotionally compromised. Keep your head about you. But uh, go take care of yeah, shit, man. Go to town, man. And. It's great, and that kind of takes us to our our other plot line, which, uh, Caitlin, this is your good thing, yeah? 
Yeah. Um, so my good thing is definitely the relationship that we get to see Spock and Michael have. Um, the conversations that we're seeing them have when they're doing, you know. Yeah, they're off on the other mission. Yeah, stuff together is, um, it's like really speaks to my heart too. Um, they have this this deep emotional connection that comes out as they walk through kind of Spock helping uh, Michael process her emotions and call her out on the fact that she's angry and the, the things that she's saying and thinking about are coming from a place of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you might actually see in like a brother and sister who like love one another and, you know, disagree on a lot of things, but also share this like inherent bond. And they mm-hmm. spend a lot of these like subtle moments together and it almost makes all this search for Spock bullshit like worth it. Because I I love seeing them together. I wish that they were doing something else with it. You know, we we could see them in a lot of different situations where Spock isn't just like I'm a member of the crew now. Do 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 do. Yeah, and he's like on leave. Like Enterprise is disabled. Also, he actually took some vacation. He's not in a uniform. Like, why is he on this mission? Why isn't Tilly here? Or yeah, right. I know he's you not know, like Stamets or somebody. Like, can you go on missions when you're on leave? Like, I feel I like this is some so. kind of weird conflict. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned in the last few episodes, it's that everybody can do whatever the hell they want. There are no well, rules. That has always been the case in Starfleet, always. You, uh-huh. you just do what you want, and then you get yelled at a little bit, and then it's fine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't get how he's going on official Starfleet missions when he's not active duty. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, care that much, but, you know. Yeah. And in the beginning of the episode, too, when he kind of walks on in on their conversation with the mom and like it's super, super brief scene, but um, it's wholesome and um, it's nice. And I like yeah, it. I think I think they kind of bend over backwards to have Mike turn off the, the call before Spock sees like because we have an episode chronologically coming up that Spock says he hasn't talked to his parents in years so they have to keep like oh nope they're in the same room uh gotta go like (laughs) and it's just that prequel setting thing again it's like guys if you're gonna explore corners of this maybe do some that aren't gonna be so you know hard to hard to fit in Mm -hmm. there's a lot of room to work in there if you're not trying to make every single thing connected no it's all about Spock (laughs) everything is about Spock always Spock 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 and, you know, like like you said, Galen, there's some great scenes. Like, their relationship turned out to be fantastic. It's, yeah. It's great. But there are other characters on this show. Yep. So. And I want to see them. Yeah. Tilly. Yep. Tilly, where are you? Yeah. She was Come just, to me. She's Sir not appearing in this episode. She's three decks down falling over an ottoman. <laughs> over and over and over oh, again. Uh, she's really trapped cutely. in a time loop. Yep. She's got She's got time crystals too close to her. <laughs> we're trapped in the ottoman universe also oh, they God. talked about they talked about how they need the power of a supernova to make the time crystal work and i think it's still on the table that they're going to go back to the uh supernova that mike was looking at as a kid with her parents oh because to- we still need the, a cause for the 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 signals yeah exactly and that's so, going to be michael yeah and the borg are going to be the borg like yep. uh, I hope it doesn't, like, I keep saying this. I hope it doesn't go where we think, but it usually does. Yeah, this show's yeah. very predictable. Um, Michael's bomb was a, was a swerve. That, you, you got me there. We that did not the see that coming. That was the only swerve that the, I the, can the, think of. The only There's... name that wasn't on our on our list of people that could be the Red Angel. Well, I, I started getting a little silly with it because it was fun to think, well, what if Harry Mudd is the, <laughs> you know, the Red Angel? What if it's Tilly because red because of her hair? What mm-hmm. if, you know. 
What if it's Armus? Because I don't know. You got to work Armus into it somehow. I read an article that was like, it's Seven of Nine coming back in time to prevent the Borg. Oh, that uh... would be so cool. <laughs> I know you think that, Caitlin, and I love that you think that, but I don't want that at all. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, what I would... I, I think what's interesting too about it being michael's mom because we were also just having a conversation about how like when people die like you never really know if they're actually dead yeah like what right there's gonna be some like bullshit reason for them not to be dead and so like i appreciate that it was a swerve but i was also like stop bringing back people from the dead yeah like, it it needs to mean something it needs yeah. to, it, it needs to have stakes otherwise when someone dies you, you're not gonna get emotionally invested because you're like well they're gonna come back yeah, yeah. I, everyone like even like to a technical standpoint, even Arium came back. She's just another character now. Yeah, but that was a good way to do it because that way her death still matters narratively. No, I, but I, also I, the I, actor's still getting work. I agree, but the fact is, everyone who's died on this show is still alive. Yeah, well, I don't know. Lorca's gone for now. Well. I mean, Jason Isaacs probably will not appear this entire season. No, that's true. They they have a they have a back door. They left themselves a way to bring him back, mm -hmm. but. He didn't come back this whole season, as far as I know, unless it's the next two, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, th that's adding a whole lot more to do in this season that's already pretty overpacked. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh-huh. Can't well, handle any have... more crazy plot points. Well, there's still two more episodes to go, and they're definitely... <laughs> like, I know, I know how TV in 2019 works. Like, the crazy plot points come flying ten times as fast in the finale. That's just how oh, it goes. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, you're so freaking right. I need to, like, just buckle up for what's going to happen, because yeah. it's going to get buck wild. Every, every, um, every act break in the finale will feel like the end of an episode. Like, yep. each one will just be something nuts over and over and over again. That's just I'm how I'm scared. <laughs> I don't know. If it goes completely nuts, I'll be like, I'll think it's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's that whole thing of, as Amanda says, not going too far enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so if you're going to make a bonkers, <laughs> just nuts show, like, do it, man. Yeah. Make Riverdale. Home. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, what else indeed? Let's see here. That's about all I have, unless you guys have other things. Um forgot that Ash Tyler, when he's on the Klingon planet, looks like a fucking vampire. Yeah. Uh, Laurel had a new outfit that you said made her look like Ming the Merciless. Yep. It was very interesting. It's a supervillain costume. Very, I did not yeah, care for it. Yeah, very I mean, it was a, a well-designed costume. I just didn't like it in the Klingon, like in the context of Klingons. It didn't really fit to me, but the show's spikes. Klingons are, you know. Did, did we mention on the uh, did we mention on the show that the uh, section 31 has 31 ships because oh section, we didn't we section should. 31 is so special <laughs> they are so on brand uh-huh because yeah there are 30 ships swarming them at the end and of course the other ship is the one that uh, Mike and Spock just saw that's not yeah. part of the fleet but should be so there are normally 31. Yeah, Ugh, like really, guys. And they're black badges and they're leather and fuck. God, Section Thirty One is so Section Thirty One. Yeah, I know. It's what, pretty bad. I usually hate when Star Trek ends a time travel story like this, like almost always. But I kind of wouldn't hate if they end up undoing all this Section Thirty One stuff. I mean, yeah, nice. do that. Yeah, that way, just like we had to watch it, but at least they're not that big a part because I don't want to think that our utopia has this secret police that can just do whatever it wants yeah, all right. the time. You know, yeah. like like some things in secret that people find out about years later, but not just openly, constantly involved in everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it really um, it undermines the whole like purpose and um, like setup of the Federation, and it bothers yeah. me. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's supposed uh, to be in a utopia. My spirit. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of I don't know that whole um, like serenity thing that like oh we have to do like all the bad stuff so everybody else can live in their perfect world, and I'm like um I don't. I don't want that. That's like yucky and dirty and compromises the whole integrity of like everything that these people stand for. And all of these people like Pike making all these huge sacrifices to be a moral person and to Mm -hmm. lead his people in a moral way that upholds the standards of the Federation. And these people are going behind just like "Mm, murder, death, kill right and left. We don't give a shit. But that bothers me. The thing about with this. Go ahead. The thing about the Star Trek utopia is that it's supposed to be hard that we got here and it's supposed to be hard that we maintain it but we're starfleet and we stick to our morals because it's right you know well and that's the thing starfleet does they have a whole separate division that doesn't have to that's the and that bugs me i know no that's but that's their loophole that's and Mm. it's supposed to bug you it bugged bashir when he found out about it like the first character in star trek to find out about this stuff was julian bashir and he's like captain did you know this this down yeah Captain, did you know this bullshit is happening? And what? What bullshit? No. I didn't but, know about that. But yeah. now it's like we're, they're getting a whole show and just like they've loomed so heavily over this season. Yeah. No, and I they're employing it. genocidal monsters like who are going to be the main characters of TV shows about them. Like, yeah, not a fan. And I know we say this a lot, but it's because nobody seems to be getting that point. Everyone's mm-hmm. so excited to like that there's another show and yeah section 31 let's let's bring some edge to this like no i don't want edge to this man it's star trek yeah tell tell me star trek stories don't give me edge yeah other tv no. shows are for edge yeah we've talked about this before it's like when comics people talk about not being able to write superman because he's too wholesome like yeah. well then then that's the wrong character for that's you, you, if you that's think. your yeah. problem not superman's yeah. <laughs> no man if you don't think star trek killed people you don't know shut up Zack snyder yeah Again, it's fictional. It can be whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, and the whole point of it, I think most of us agreed on for a long time, was that humankind went through some terrible bullshit and then came out the other side Mm -hmm. better and were trying to live together peacefully and and do good things. Well, like, this is why Deep Space Nine worked so well. It's that, like, it's the Federation going through horrible things and still keeping its morals. The episode, like, the, the one episode where Cisco betrays his morals to get things done he's so beaten by it by the end like the like if you're going to do these things they need to have a toll like yep well and how many times has has this like this moral uh compass and like the doing the right thing been like the whole basis of the stories we're telling in this universe like there are i mean in movies and shows and in so in current stuff and old stuff and so much of it like that is what makes the drama it's what makes the intensity yeah. of, is people having to make these difficult choices um, no like matt said it's hard situations. yeah that's the conflict it's supposed to be there's that great voyager episode where they're stuck in the loop universe oh yeah that's that's one of the best voyager and episodes i think janeway won't sacrifice their morals to for the e- like for the easy way out yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like some of the other ships are like let's fuck over the little guys so we can all get out and she's like no i'm not doing no, that fuck that and fuck you too how dare you yeah and if Section 31 is going to exist in this universe, like, we need to know very little about it, because the more we learn yeah. about its tactics, the more it completely undermines all the sacrifice that these, you know, incredible people have made. Yeah. Yep. 
Absolutely. Like none of the stuff people like none of the 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 stuff that the the hard work that the that everybody did in the light matters if everything's happening in the dark. Yep. And but. like if you can call just you can call this black badge person to come and like do your dirty work for you. Like where's the story in that? Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess we'll find out in the Section 31 TV series. Mm-hmm. I know. It's just gonna Where be I'm sure all of these things will be addressed, and it uh-huh. won't be 24th the Star Trek show at all. It, yeah, we already had that. It was called Enterprise. We sure fucking did. I would so much rather see um, Giorgio, like Mirror Giorgio in Mirror Universe, like doing crazy shit, mm-hmm. having fun. Like that would be so much more entertaining to me. I don't think you could make a whole show out of that, but well, that is more entertaining to me than watching her be Section 31 boss person in my good, good Star Trek universe. Well, yeah. like that's that's what I'm saying. Like she worked really well as the bad guy for that part of season one. Uh, see, and I didn't even think she did. I thought she was good for one episode, and then they stretched it out to like five episodes. Yeah, they were also spent too much time in the mirror universe. But my point, like as Michelle always. Michelle Yeoh is good. I get of course that. She is. But but you bringing her into the prime universe and making her like this character and pretending that she's supposed to have a redemptive arc. That again, I've said this before. She clearly has no interest in. Like the only thing no. she does is snipe about how she would murder people. She yeah. does that all the time. It's all she does. Well, and a lot of people love it. A lot of people yeah. love just seeing her cat it up, and that's fine. But that's not what I want in Star Trek. I that that's fine if you're like the bad guy or people are actively trying to stop you from doing that. But she just keeps wandering around doing whatever she wants. Yeah, well, she's coming back next week. So yeah, she sure more, is. More of the same. Ugh. All right. Anything else? I think that's enough yelling for today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. We did your quote, Caitlin. Uh, Anything you want to tell us about plug-wise? Nope. I'm just Caitlin. I'm here. You can say hi to me if you want. You could promote somebody else's thing or, or I don't know. I really love your Endeavor show, so I'll take a moment to express my gratitude at your uh, incredible writing of the, the last episode if nobody's listened to it they should definitely listen to that, it that would be um, matt's writing by the way you. just to make that very clear that was yeah royal you but yeah thank you guys for doing such an amazing job portraying um that entire situation for anybody that hasn't listened to it they talk um about managing depression and um taking mental health medication and um having conversations with your loved ones and your friends and your coworkers about your needs and it's really uh impactful and i listened to it several times and um just because i i was really really impacted by it um so thank you for telling that story well thank you that means a lot <laughs> yeah well we done. were very pleased with how that turned out and matt matt did a great script and the performers did a great job we're, we're very pleased with how that turned out and if you guys want to hear our our fanfic project endeavor it is a, it is at ussendeavor.com uh, let's see the website as ever postatomichorror.com the uh, email address postatomichorror at gmail tumblr postatomichorror.tumblr.com we are on twitter at algar at robot matt caitlin you want to give your uh, twitter yeah i'm at caitlandia okay uh and uh next episode is the is episode 400 which would be cool if it was also the end of disco season two but they had to fuck it up and throw one more in there It would have been so cool if episode 400 had been like, oh, we're caught up with Star Trek again, and it's a big milestone. Mm -hmm. No, they added one just to to mess with us. Uh, But next week, they have another stupid title. It's like uh, uh, Such Sweet Sorrow. So there's that. Well, yeah. Uh, Brian will be joining us for that. Uh, And uh, that's all. We'll be back next week. Yeah. See you, folks. (laughs) 
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Elgar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.